You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Father, we just thank you right now for, for the life that you are breathing into us. If you would just do this, you know, some of you may have felt that when, some of you may not have, but regardless of what you feel, everything in the kingdom is received by faith. It's not by feelings. Who's thankful for that? <laughs> We'd be messed up if we live by our feelings. <laughs> if you're still doing that, you know, you know what that feels like. <laughs> so we just receive, if you would just with me, we just receive that abundant life, Jesus, that you paid for. We receive everything that you released from the cross. We receive what you have for us in this moment to cause us to thrive in this season, to cause us to be overcomers, to cause us to be able to even stand up straight and tall in our authority as sons and daughters, to not back down from the things that we are facing, to push through the uncomfortable and painful stuff, to allow you to heal us. We receive the abundant life, everything that comes with this. We receive it right now. We thank you for it. We thank you that it is infiltrating every part of not only our bodies but our minds our emotions, yeah, every part of our being. We thank you. We thank you for this life, and we thank you that we get to release it everywhere that we go. And we thank you that you have given us the authority and the ability to be able to release what we have received <laughs> freely as we have received. We will freely give. Yeah, so thank you, Father. Thanks for shifting our perspective today. Thanks for helping us to focus outwardly. <laughs> Not just recognizing what's going on in us, but being filled with the mercy that we sung about, that we have received to be able to focus on releasing that to other people so that they can see who you are. I pray today that we would wake up to who we are more than ever before and that in that we would see you clearer today than we've ever seen you before. That we'd see you as the good father that you are and that you're right in the middle of this thing with us and that we're not doing it alone. We thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for weariness being broken off as that life is released through us. Yeah, thank you. And thank you that feeling weak is not a bad thing. That it gives us an opportunity to realize that when we are weak, you are strong in us. And so we, we remove our dependency upon ourselves and we move it to you in greater ways. We rely on your grace, your strength, your power 
to be able to thrive in this life. In Jesus' name. Thanks, God. Chris Fallotton said not long ago, I know he's not the only one, I mentioned this before, but he said, you know, the Christian life is impossible. <clears throat> it's impossible to live. That's why we need grace. It's why dependency upon him is so vitally important, right? It's so easy in our human efforts to try to accomplish what was designed to be accomplished in dependency upon him. And we find out in those times how weak we really are, how little strength we really have, (laughs) how powerful apart from Him we are not, (laughs) and how little can actually be accomplished when we try to build our own kingdoms unto (laughs) ourselves. And then when we switch that and begin to be dependent upon Him, it brings us into this place of knowing who we are uh, through knowing who He is of realizing that dependence on Him is not a weakness, but it's actually strength, and it causes us to be able to thrive in every season of life. I can guarantee you one thing, that if you're not thriving in this season, that it could be because your dependency is not on Him, but on your own human strength, what you were able to do in the last season, right? These, these things that we that we were created to actually thrive. And so when I'm not, I look, I don't condemn myself or, or beat myself up, but I look and I've just, it's a warning sign to me. It's like uh, the red light that comes on on your dash, right? <laughs> it's like, there's, it's the check engine. It's like, you better check and see what's going on. What, where, where are you in your thinking? What's, what, what's causing this to take place? Because it's not God's design for us to, just limp through the Christian life and barely make it to heaven. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the way he created us. And so these are all warning signs. They're not him being cruel to us. It's, it's him wooing us into this place of saying, you can really trust me. Because the only reason I don't depend on him is if I don't trust him. Or I haven't learned to trust him yet. And so new seasons bring about new ways to be able to trust Him, new ways to get to trust Him. And so these, these things that are exposing our weaknesses in this season are because influence is increasing in our lives, and weakness is exposed when influence is increasing. And so that those things... Can, we can actually deal with and address so that we are prepared. So as Steve Backlund says that our, says that our load-bearing capacity will increase. Because with influence increasing, load-bearing capacity increases, uh, and God just heaps grace upon grace on us in these seasons where that needs to increase. But these weaknesses get exposed so that when we, it's out of his goodness that this happens. And life is doing it to us. It's not him. He's just saying, if you'd like to address this, I, I've, I've got a better way. So that you are properly, you and I are properly prepared in the season that we are going into to be able to thrive in that season. See, preparation for new seasons will happen in the previous season. They're not supposed to happen in the middle of the next one. But when we are not paying attention to our own self-development in Christ, 
or distracted with other things, then it can become harder to actually be prepared for the next season that's to come. I've likened it to this many times, and I've seen people get prophetic words that their business was going to increase, and they were going to have expansion, and sales were going to blow up in a good way, and then you could get two people that have that same prophetic word. It's a word from God, but it's one of those words that hinge on, uh, it's like a lot of the promises of God. Um, They're dependent upon me actually doing something. They're not sovereign words. Like many of the promises of God are not sovereign. They take partnership. There are some that are sovereign, but a lot of them are not. And so when you get two people that get that same prophetic word that are business owners, and one actually prepares. They, they have somebody work on the website so that when they get a bunch of a traffic, it doesn't crash, right? Uh, they hire employees if they need to do that. They begin to do things that are ready for expansion before they see it. So when the increase comes, it doesn't crush them. But the other person that sits by and just waits for the word to take place and doesn't do anything about it in the and the business still comes, then they're not prepared for it, and then things crumble. It's proper preparation in these seasons. God is always, always preparing us for increase because He only goes from glory to glory. So we're only going to increase in the kingdom. Isn't that good news? (laughs) That makes me happy. That's why in the midst of regardless, if even in tough seasons, I realize that there's increase. I realize that I'm going from glory to glory. I realize that influence and authority, is, it's increasing in my, in my life because that's how God works. That's the, that's the kingdom economy. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. I love it. So <clears throat> that was not part of it, but uh, part of the message today, but I, I think it's I think it's important because I look at so many people in, in our lives. We have, we have invited, me personally and, and lots of people that we do life with, uh, we have invited this, this thing of, of refinement. Uh, basically, we have embraced what God wanted to do in our lives. It's just saying, it's just simply saying, yes, God, I want all that you have for me. You know, I prayed that prayer years and years and years ago. And you know, you pray prayers that you have no clue what you're praying. They just sound real spiritual. And you're just like, yes, God, give it all to me. And then you're in the middle of it and you're like, I'm not sure. I really wanted all this. This doesn't feel so great. And um, because, you know, we were created to live in, in a place of being uncomfortable. In America, we don't like that. That's why the persecuted church thrives in, in under the persecution that they face. Because many of them, they live in countries where they don't, they don't live in comfort. And so they're actually prepared in their upbringing to be able to deal with persecution and the things that they face in living uncomfortable. And they realize, as we are, that we have a comforter for that very purpose. But our worldview and the way that we're raised and where we're raised actually shapes the way that we do the Christian life. It doesn't have to, but it will influence it until our minds are transformed into a different place. 
It's just impossible for it not to because it shapes everything that we see, everything that we believe, everything uh, that we are filtering all those truths and biblical things through this filter of all of the stuff that we were, we were raised in. And uh, some of you already know that children's development at, at our very early age is what shapes your whole life. Very early age. And so that stuff, some of that we are transforming out of our minds currently, right? In our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, right? It's, it's just the truth of it. And that's okay. I, I'd, rather it, I'd rather be in the process than in the place that I was before. <laughs> I'd rather be in this with Jesus than, than lost and without hope. Uh, so we have, uh, we have an amazing we have an amazing opportunity, amazing privilege to be alive in what I believe is the greatest time that, that there ever was in the church because of the purpose that God only goes from glory to glory. So when I look back at revival history, I'm rereading a book right now um, entitled The Power That Changed the World. It's about the Welsh Revival and the Azusa Street Revival, which happened simultaneously in different parts of the world, um, almost at the same exact time in the very early 1900s. And... I look back at revival history to learn from the things uh, it fires me up to, and I learn from the things that they did, and, and I learn from the things that they, they missed it on, uh, just like people will learn that same thing from our lives, hopefully. And, um, but when I look at it, it encourages me, because if God did that then, what's he going to do now? <laughs> so I can focus on one of two things. I can focus on the darkness and and what the devil's doing, and all the bad things in the world, and, and I'm, I would be ignorant not to recognize some of that stuff, but I, I, I'm not going to focus there. I, or I can focus on what God is doing, right? What, what actually is happening in the kingdom. Read testimonies and, and see the amazing things that he's doing in my life. Even going through tough stuff, uh, one of the things that I focus on, you know, it's, it's easy. We're usually our, our uh, own worst critics, Right? But I encourage you and challenge you to look where you once were and where you're at today. <laughs> I was giving myself a hard time not long ago, and I remembered where I came from just, you know, not too, you know, less than uh, 15 years ago, I think 12 years ago, where I was at, 10 years ago, where I was at, five years ago, where I was at. And I think, my gosh, you know what? I'm actually, do I'm actually doing really well. Because <laughs> the devil would love nothing more for you to believe that you're not. <laughs> and that's not true. Now, if you want to believe that, will become your truth. And that will be unfortunate, but it doesn't have to be that way. It's that I can actually begin to believe that I, I'm actually doing a lot better than I think. Good. <laughs> It's a, it's a good place to be. You could think, oh, no, I don't want to focus too much on that. I won't be able to focus on my transformation or any of that stuff. No, that's not true. People that are transformed the most focus the most on where they're actually growing at, not where they're not or even not even where they need to. A small percentage of the time is focused on where they still need to grow, and a great percentage of the time, 80 to 90% of the time, is focused on where I am growing and what is happening in my life. <laughs> because what's going to be more life-giving to me? It actually accelerates my, pro my progress to focus on where I am growing. <laughs> it fuels the fire. 
Because <laughs> there's fire inside of you. And it's your responsibility, my responsibility, to fan that thing into a flame that becomes a bonfire. The bonfire, people have prophesied this over me before. You know, the, the bonfire is where the party's at. <laughs> it sure looks a whole, more, a whole lot more like a party in heaven than it does a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> we pray on earth as it is in heaven. So what Jesus prayed in Matthew 6. So <laughs> what should it look like? I'm not saying it's going to look like that all the time, but I sure am going to live in that place as much as I possibly am able to. And then when I'm supposed to, I will leave those moments to weep with those who weep and get down in the dirt with people. But when I do that, and, I, and I'm able to get into those moments with people, it doesn't zap the strength or steal my joy or my hope. <laughs> it's a good word for some of y'all. Because I, I could feel this in the room. When you get into situations, if you're experiencing this, this is for you. You get into a situation with somebody, and your empathy actually almost cripples you and zaps your strength because you're so in tune to the emotions of what somebody is going through. It's not a, it's, it's not a spiritual thing. Empathy is important, as is sympathy, as is compassion. Right? Those are important things. But it is not spiritual for, for me to allow somebody else to bring me down into their mess to where it messes me up <laughs> or takes me back into a place that I once was. That's not spiritual. It may have the symbolism and the outward appearance of being spiritual, but it is not. It will do you no good or your family. And so we learn how to do that through celebrating our progress living in this place of hope and joy that gives us the strength to get down in the dirt with people. And regardless of what they're going through, they're you're able to actually come out of that thing and still have proper perspective to where that thing doesn't get on me. Well, some Christians are afraid of, nobody in this room or watching, but some Christians are afraid that they, if they go in, into the darkness that it will somehow get on them. Like, don't want to be around witches, might get cursed. Be around any Satanists, might get that thing on me. Might get slimed. I don't know how that that happens <laughs> to somebody who has right beliefs. That can happen. It has happened to me. <laughs> but it doesn't negate the fact that you and I were created to be fearless. And that's really what I want to talk to you today about is not being afraid of failure. The fear of failure cripples most people and prevents them from actually ever stepping out. You talk to any entrepreneur, I get the privilege of, of mentoring now. It just happened over the last couple of years. Um, I get the privilege of mentoring several entrepreneurs that are crazy successful and one thing that they all have in common is that they've all faced fear in stepping out. 
they've all lived risk and are continuing to live risk. It's because they stepped out and done something that they had never done before. And fear, you face fear when you do that. It's impossible not to face fear. I have two options as I personally see it in life is that I can live comfortably with no risk, face little fear, and just enjoy this life that Jesus has given me until I live, take my last breath and I'm in the arms of, of the Lord, right? I can do that. Or, <laughs> or I can live out the salvation prayer as I know it to be. Jesus, I give my life to you to do as you wish with it. I surrender fully. And if I live that way, I will face fear constantly. I will constantly be uncomfortable. Most of my life will be risky or it will feel risky. But I can guarantee you this, it will have a much greater impact on the world around you than living the other way. And when you and I came into this thing, I just want to remind us in the midst of everything that each one of you are going through, I want to remind us that when we gave our lives to Jesus, this thing no longer became about us. <laughs> it no longer became about us. It actually became me living dead. Crucified, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. You know what happens to people that are crucified? They die. You see what happened to Jesus? <laughs> That's why Paul likens it. When he wrote that, he actually compares it to crucifixion. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives. He's saying, I'm, I'm dead. If you didn't get it through the, the crucifixion analogy, <laughs> let me make it clear. I, I, I no longer, it's not I who lives, but Christ lives in me. He's saying, when I died... There was a new nature that came alive on the inside of me. It's called the nature of Christ. And Christ lived his whole life selfless. <laughs> and he made a powerful impact on the world. Didn't he? One life. One life. And then his disciples followed suit. And they made the impact on the world that they were created, even in the short life that almost all of them lived with the exception of John, because all of them were martyred. All of them were killed for their faith. Gladly. But they impacted the world around them because they lived what seemed to so many as a risky life. The Christian life is not created to be safe. I've said this before. I, I pray this prayer over... Uh, over our spiritual kids, over Briler, um, I pray this over my friends. God, uh, make them dangerous to darkness. I don't pray keep them safe. I thank God for deliverance from evil. I thank God for deliverance from the enemy and all those things. But I pray for people to be dangerous to darkness. That's what I want you to pray over me. <sighs> It's, it's, it's a prayer that says, I am actually going to run towards the darkness in the world because that's what you and I were made for. You know, we've, I've mentioned this before, and you know, Nick is a, is a firefighter, and 
Not everybody in human nature or in gifting or in ability is created to be a firefighter or a police officer or EMT or somewhere in the emergency, you know, or a soldier because they actually are designed, at least most of them. I know some of them get into it and they're not designed to do that, but most of them are designed to run towards danger. You know, run to a run towards a build, a burning building, a car that's on fire, gunfire, whatever it is, a dangerous situation that could kill you, could be harmful to you, at least, and, and could be dangerous to your life. Not everybody was made for that, but when we come into the kingdom and the spirit of God comes upon us, regardless of what may have been our demeanor or our nature as we were growing up, or before we accepted Jesus, when the Spirit of God came into us and upon us, it changed everything. And we got access to a boldness and a fierceness that no darkness can scare out of us. (laughs) That's how I do public speaking now. (laughs) It used to terrify me. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit changed that. And so if you look in Acts chapter 3, I want to focus in on the fact that each one of us have been given, we have been given not only an ability to run towards darkness, an ability to to be able to actually face fear and look it in the eye and say, no, not, not today. An ability to be able to run into towards some of the darkest places in our country and in the nations of the world and light them up with the life and love of Jesus. We have been, we have been given that. And, and we have access to so much more than what we are currently tapping into in our Christian lives. It's a, it's a guarantee. It's not a negative statement. It's just the, the truth that there will always be more. And that, that excites me because the Christian life, I used to think that, you know, it was when I came into Christ, all I did my whole life was one big, one big party. It was a rather sad and depressing party, but it was, <laughs> it was, it was meant to look like a party. You know what it looked like on the exterior? It looked like freedom because I could do whatever I wanted to do. I found out that doing whatever I wanted to do got me in a lot of trouble. (laughs) But I found out true freedom actually comes when I submit my life to the Lordship of Jesus. (laughs) And Him being Lord of my life actually causes me to be freer than I ever could be any other way. It's beautiful. So, we have been given so much that's on the inside of us, and I hope that, that today there'll be a little bit more of it unlocked, honestly, is, is my, my prayer and expectation. You look at the current state of the world, and you know that they need Jesus, right? Well, I'll tell you that there's never been a time in any generation where they have not needed Jesus. <laughs> it's always been darkness. It's always been perversion. There's always been nastiness in the world it's just it's it's part of the fall of man it's part of the the curse that is upon the earth and you and I have the privilege and responsibility to destroy that everywhere that we go (laughs) 
I know destroy is, is, is a rather strong word, but um, you can shape, you know, frame it any way that you want to. It still comes when darkness leaves and light comes, but where there is an absence of light, the darkness will prevail. And what I believe is an absence of light is, is Christians, when, when we are not, as the body of Christ, when we don't really know what we have access to and what we're able to release. One of the main things that we started, when we started Revive the World Ministries, the vision, I didn't have a lot of great spiritual language for it. But one of the things that I felt like strongly that we were supposed to do was actually show people what they have, what they have access to, and how to release it. It's real important in the Christian life, and a lot of people just don't know. And, I, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Let me read these scriptures to you, and then I'm going to, we'll do a, we'll do a live demonstration. So, um, let, let me mention this real fast. You know when I get going, it's like a wind-up toy. It doesn't stop until... It runs out. <laughs> but this Pakistan prayer list, I'm just going to pass it around for people to, to sign up. I leave the 26th. Me, Joe, and Aaron leave not this Monday, but next Monday. We, we really need your prayers. Um, so we'll give you, the, the, we'll give you the, everything that we're going to be doing. I have an itinerary, and we'll get that up for you guys so that you know what is happening and when. Will you take us, Katie, and just pass that? Thank you. So, uh, Acts chapter 3, verses 1. And I'm just going to start with 1, and I think we'll probably read through verse 10. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask for alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave him his attention. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Let me stop right there. So who's familiar with this passage? You've, you've read this passage before in the, in the book of Acts. If you've never read the book of Acts, I encourage you to read it and reread it, and reread it, because you know we actually don't have another model for the, for the church. Now, it'll look different because they live in a different culture, but the same principles apply. Can I tell you something that will never change? Foundational kingdom principles. Another thing that will never change? The Word of God is what we base our whole lives on. Whatever you're going through, whatever season that you're in, whatever's happening in your life, whatever beliefs that you are acquiring right now, I would strongly encourage you to make sure that you can find them in the Bible. Because now more than ever, people are getting away from the Word of God as if it doesn't even matter anymore. And they're getting their beliefs from their feelings and things that sound good and from secular humanism. And all of it is demonic in nature. Human thinking is demonic in nature. Do you know that? That's why in Romans 8 it says that the human mind is actually an enemy of God. Because it can't please God. That's why Jesus looked at Peter when he rebuked him and he said, Satan, get behind me. You're not going to ruin this thing, right? 
He, he was saying, you're, you're mindful. He told Peter, you're mindful of the things of man, not of the things of God. He said, your thinking is actually demonic in nature right now because it's carnal. That's why it's easy to sin when you're in the flesh <laughs> and you don't realize that you're dead because it's, it's natural to sin when you live that way. So the Bible is, this is, this will, this is not changing. I don't care how many translations of it they put out. I don't care. The scholars that come along, there'll be people that discover new things in the Word, but it will never change the Word of God, that it is an absolute in our lives. I don't get my beliefs from things that sound good, feel right. <laughs> I get my beliefs from the Bible. That's what people, when they're going through stuff, when I'm going through stuff, I say, okay, where can you show that to me in the Bible? And get scriptures that, that interpret scripture that interpret scripture, not just one place and build a whole theology off of a, a verse that you pull out of the Bible that's four or five words and like, that sounds good. Let's do that. That fits my, that fits my life right now. It doesn't work like that. That's how people end up messed up end up out their, their left field uh, past the fence. <laughs> you know where that place is? I lived there before. <laughs> way out there in left field, way past the fence. <clears throat> it's an interesting place you don't want to go if you haven't been there. <clears throat> so, this man that is laid daily at the gate of beautiful is born, he is born lame. He's never walked a day in his life. And so he has the... He has the, the, the governmental okay to be able to ask people, beg for money, because it's the only way that he can earn a living. So he's in a pretty bad spot, and you'll find out that he was over 40 years old. If you read further down into Acts chapter 4, you'll find out that he's over 40 years old. He'd been, he'd been uh, not able to walk for a very, very long time. And everybody that went into the temple, went by the gate of beautiful, knew who he was because he's that same guy sitting there begging. You become familiar with the people that are in the same place all of the time, whether they're begging or not, you, find, you, you actually begin to know them. And so he was known to all those that were around. And so when he gives them their attention, in verse 5, he gave them his attention, expecting to receive them, something from them. The only thing that this guy ever received in his life is money from other people and ridicule from them as well. Right? And so he's not going, if you've never received anything else, your expectation to receive something else will be little to none. And so what's getting ready to come, he doesn't see it. But God had a plan for him this day. In verse 6, it says, Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have. I'm sure in that moment, take a little pastoral liberty, in that moment, you're. you're um, immediately, if you don't have money for me and I've never received anything else, I think that you're probably going to give me a tongue lashing. You, you're you're going to say something crazy to me. But all I know is that my hope just dropped through the floor that I was actually going to be able to eat that day. <laughs> and so he doesn't have expectation. I'm making a, this a point for a reason. He doesn't have expectation of what's getting ready to happen. There's no faith for this on his part. <laughs> He doesn't have any faith for it, right? He had faith for money. 
and what he hoped he was going to get, he is not getting. He made that very clear. I don't have gold or silver, okay? <laughs> but it's, it's good that Peter and, and John weren't tricking him. He said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. Look at that. But what I do have I give you. Notice that he didn't say what God has I give to you. What Jesus has I give to you. What the Spirit of God has I give to you. He said, no, what I have I give you. Again, this is a point for a reason. I promise we'll get there. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. <laughs> that was not on the radar. <laughs> it was not on the menu of things he thought he was getting today. And so in verse 7, And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. <laughs> I heard Bill Johnson say one time that the walking was the physical healing, the leaping was the emotional healing in his soul that he needed, and the praising God was the spiritual healing that he needed, because you know Jesus paid for the whole thing to be healed. <laughs> he got sozoed right there in a moment. Bam! Sozo, here's your sozo. Not two hours, ten seconds. <laughs> like, wow, <laughs> you know, that's what, that's what gives me faith to know even though we're in process, my expectation is God can still do it in a moment. Because of my expectation, the process is going to be drawn out, then I will live my expectation out. But I lock into this thing, lean back into the arms of Jesus and say, regardless of how long it is, I'll continue to fix my eyes on you. But I also know that any moment, any moment, this thing can change. Any moment. I could be asleep and it could change. I've had him walk me through forgiveness for people while I was sleeping in my dreams and woke up and I knew that I was healed of that thing. I had forgiven them. <laughs> sometimes he needs to bypass your mind to get to your heart. And when you're sleeping is really the best time. <laughs> I'm not engaging any of my bad beliefs while I'm sleeping. <laughs> and so this guy gets completely healed. In uh, verse 9, and the people saw him walking and praising God. Verse 10, then they knew that it was him who was sitting uh, begging alms at the gate of beautiful at the temple, and they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So I want to turn back to the fact that the disciples knew by living life with Jesus that they had something that this man and the rest of the world needed. I believe now more than ever it's time to wake up the fact that we actually have, we actually carry the solution. We actually carry the solution. When you walk into a situation, it is a, it's immediately the atmosphere has shifted. You may not realize it. You may not recognize it. You may not feel it. But, but you and Jesus came into it, which made you the majority, regardless of what you are facing. That the spirit and ministry of reconciliation came into the room when you came into the room. Which means reconciliation is probable, not just possible. 
right? Financial freedom came into the room when you came into the room because there's no lack in heaven. Healing came into the room when you came into the room because Jesus is the healer and you are one with him. Freedom from the demonic, oppression from the devil, all of poor thinking, orphan mentality, all that stuff will be challenged when you and I enter the room because of the one that we are one with. And so the apostles realized, I have something to give this man. Because you know what Jesus told the disciples? He said, you heal the sick. I know, I know God's the healer, right? He was trying to bring them into a place of realizing their authority in Christ before they were actually technically in Christ. They were just with him. And then the day of Pentecost, they were one with him. <laughs> because the Spirit of God changed everything for all of us. And Acts chapter 2 shows us that. And so this is in Acts chapter 3. And the apostles don't waste any time with beginning to give away what they have received. I'll tell you that the tendency when we are going through things, when we have failed in life in some way, failed people, failed in any single way, our tendency is to turn inwardly and begin to focus only on our own issues. All right? Part of that is good, but not all of it. If turning, if, if turning inwardly and, and looking at the things that I need fixed causes me to actually be, no lo- actually causes me to no longer be impactful to the, to the people that are around me in my sphere of influence, then it has done me a disservice and I would challenge that it is not God. Because his goal is not his, his intentions for us. Jesus was able to deal with all of the things that he went through while still ministering to other people. You look at John had John had just got John the Baptist had just got beheaded. That's his cousin. He paved the way for Jesus. Jesus knew him, knew him well. John was a big deal in Jesus' life. John gets beheaded. Jesus gets news of it. He takes off on a boat. Looks like he wants a little time alone, right? That's good. Time alone's good. I like time alone. I'm an extrovert, I'm an extrovert by nature, but I also do like my time without people because my time without people helps me to, to be able to be Focused on, on the Father, it helps me to be able to refresh and refuel and all those things. And so Jesus takes off to do this. But in the midst of that, the, a crowd of people, because they'd already seen him healing and setting free so many, that he, he said, he sees them, and what happens? Com- compassion wells up in him, right? Some of us might have got angry. You're like, man, I know a time I would have. And I'd be like, man, I'm trying to spend time on myself. I can't believe these people need something. But he didn't make it about him. That shows you the true nature of, of, who, of, of our, our new life in Christ. That's, that's the true nature. 
I am not completely there in every way yet. I will promise you that. But I am further along in it than I used to be. And so he's moved with compassion when he sees the crowd of people and he gets off and he heals the sick. (laughs) I'm like, that, that story still baffles me. But it points me to, points us to who we really are in him. In a time more than ever where we are focused in our country on self-care, which is vitally important, don't let self-care become selfishness. Don't let, if, if it stops my influence of the people that are around me, if it, if it cuts off the love and the power that's to be released through me, it has left the area of kingdom and came into the area of self. Because we can do both. Jesus did it. And so he gives us the ability, again, by his strength, by his grace, to be able to do these things. You know, one of the things that I am called to do in the body of Christ is to challenge us, to equip us, as others do for me in in every single season, and to push us out of that place of being comfortable into this place of realizing, because I'm a son, because I'm a child of God, I have work to do. Jesus, even when he was little, he said, I'm... I'm about my father's about my father's business. Should have known I'd I'd be in the temple. And that's what we were created to be about. About the father's business. Not my will, but your will be done. So, who has pain? Uh, who has a do you have an alignment issue your in your back? You do? No no right in front of you. You do. What's your name? Tammy? Hi, Tammy. (laughs) You have pain right now? You do? Yeah. I thought when I was in worship, I felt like Jesus said it, and I figured I'd just test it out. And so, (laughs) yay. So, uh, (laughs) it's always uncomfortable when you didn't hear God right, but you're like, whatever. (laughs) I've missed it enough now to where you actually, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, So... Can I get a volunteer that hasn't seen somebody healed before? Raise your hand if you haven't seen somebody healed before. I'll walk you through the prayer. We won't even put you on. We won't. Well, I don't know if you'll be on camera or not. Anybody want to volunteer to pray? You've seen people healed before. Physically? you never seen somebody physically healed? No, you haven't? Okay. Well, this makes it real easy because you're right next door. Okay. Okay. Well, um, Tammy, will you... You don't have to come forward. No, I'm not going to make you do that. Because you're probably not on camera there, and I don't want to. This is, me catching this on camera is not going to help anybody or hurt anybody either way. So I asked him, will you, will you come real quick? And, and Tammy, will you just sit back against that chair like you have real good posture like I, I'm working on? The older you get, the more straight up you're, you're like, <laughs> I feel like I'm shrinking, but actually I'm just slouching. <laughs> so thanks for, thanks for answering honestly. And so we're going to have you just get down on. 
knees there. And um, Ashley's going to pick your legs up and hold them. You don't have to hold them up. Does that hurt you? Nope. Okay. So you see the, you see where it is right there. So this is this is what I want you to pray, and um, and and only this, if you would please, uh, just say, in the name of Jesus, I release healing, and command these hips to go back into place. <clears throat> Pain leaf. You see it better from that angle over there, probably, guys, right? Lance and Courtney. Mark's angle over there, too, is probably pretty good. Is she good? You have a phone call. You've been healed. Uh, we, you can, um, yeah, do you feel something happening? It feel better? So will you just stand up and check it out and see where your pain's at and see if, if it's still there? It's better? Is it completely gone? No. No? On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the worst, if it was a 10, where is it at now? A 5? Okay. Can I actually pray one, pray one more time? Because that's amazing. I mean, it's halfway gone. And so, um, just if you would, just do the same thing and just, just thank God for the healing. No, not that. No, no, no. You just put your hand on her. You can sit next to her if you want to and get you off that floor. <laughs> it's not very soft. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And so, just thank God for what he's been doing and just tell the pain to leave again, if you would. Just real short, authoritative prayers with thankfulness. So why that's why that's happening? We'll, we'll we'll check again in just a second with Tammy and Ashley. But I had her pray like that intentionally, right? There was an authoritative prayer that was prayed, and she released what she had inside of her. She didn't petition God to make it happen, right? Be, you know why we do that is because what the apostles demonstrated in Acts chapter three is that they already knew what the will of the Father was. That's why they could be so bold into saying, what I have, I give you. Get up and walk. If they didn't believe that was the will of the Father, they weren't going to have him stand up and walk. Right? They would have doubted that. They would have questioned that. They might have begged God for it. Shed a few tears, you know. Made sure that they had their prayer model all right. Which I'm, I'm a firm believer in prayer models. But they, they used what they had been taught through Jesus and it would do us well to look to Jesus again through the Gospels and learn from Him so that we can see that what we contain is more powerful than sickness, disease, the demonic, all of the hurts in life, schizophrenia, I don't care, every mental illness, whatever it is, what we carry is stronger. What we carry can bring relationships back together. Mend things, heal hearts. It's the power of love is what it is. At the end of the day, it's the power of love. And you and I are one with love.
So will you check Tammy and see how you are? Ashley, Tammy, how how you doing? You're good? Okay. Is your pain gone? It's lightened? Okay. Did you say it went down from the five? Okay. Yeah, just, you know, just be honest. I'm not looking for either way. But it cut in half by 50% and it feels like it's going down. So that's amazing, right? Thank you, Jesus. So Ashley's just going to, you know, she's going to be present with you. I really believe that this thing will just go. and We'll check with you before it's over here in the next five or so minutes. I'm going to wrap this up. So thanks for being a willing participant, both of you. Thanks, Jesus. So I like to, to have people volunteer that have never done that before because, because her leg shifted out. Because, you know, you, somebody that has experience and maybe has seen it happen 10 times or 50 times or a couple hundred times, whatever it is, your faith level is going to be different, right? The expectation level is going to be different. But when somebody who has never done that before, it, it, feels, it feels scary, right? It feels scary. There's, there's fear that you face. And the fear most often is, I'm not saying that's what Ashley was facing, but I'm saying that the fear that is most often faced when we step out and take a risk is the fear of failure, the fear of what if, it, what if it doesn't happen. It's the same fear that cripples people and stops them from to trying an invention, from stepping out of being an entrepreneur and starting their own business, right? From trying something new that might be exciting, life-giving, and exhilarating. It stops people. I've got entrepreneurs in the room. I look around. I got actually a handful of entrepreneurs in the room. Um, and so more than I realized when I, until I thought about it. But that, that is the fear that we will continue to face in life. That fear, I can tell you, that you will not live a life that is absent from, from the, the fear of failure. It will weaken over time, but any time we step out and take a risk, it will be somewhere in the vicinity trying to spew lies to prevent us from actually doing the things that God created us to do. And for some of us, it's easier than it is for others. To Some of us are, are natural risk takers. You know, some guy that's in Revive School this year, he's a professional rock climber. And some of the rock climbing he does, they don't use gear. They don't use ropes. It's dangerous. And when he said, I love it, and my response, my immediate response is because of part of who I am, I said, the things that I find the most fun are dangerous. (laughs) There's some level of danger to them because I love taking risks, but it doesn't mean that I don't face fear. Just because you see somebody that looks like they're running wild and free into everything that God created them to, it doesn't mean that they don't face fear. It just means that they aren't allowing it to conquer them. Failure is a traveling companion on the road to success. Every great inventor would tell you that. I was looking up the, the guy, Sir James Dyson. Anybody own a Dyson vacuum in, in the room? 
or have owned a Dyson vacuum uh, in the room, you know when he created uh, when he created that, he actually created 5,126 vacuums before he was successful. <laughs> People thought he was crazy. Do you know that he is the wealthiest person in the United Kingdom now? Wow. In 2017, uh, his product made over uh, $1 billion in 2017. 5,126 times he failed. I thought, man, you've got endurance, bro. <laughs> I think of Todd White that prayed for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people before he saw anybody healed. He made his mind up to pray for X amount of people a day. I think it was like four a day, every day. And he did it for three months, three or four months. I don't know, you do the math. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of, that's a lot of testimonies where nothing happened. <laughs> It's a lot. I've got my fair share, but I, I don't know that I have, I definitely don't have that many. Thank God I don't have that many in a row. But you know what? When he got the breakthrough, it has catapulted not just him, but a generation of people that are going to school at Lifestyle Christianity, that have been impacted by Lifestyle Christianity around the world, and are now doing a power evangelism as a lifestyle. People are getting healed, saved, and delivered on the streets everywhere because of him not being willing to give up. I love what David Wagner said. Corey Asbury, have you, have you ever heard the song, Failure is Never Final When the Father's in the Room? Corey Asbury tweaked it a little bit. He asked David Wagner if he could use that quote to make a song out of it because he was sitting on the front row one time when David was speaking, I think in Tennessee. But David, if you've ever heard his story, um, and hopefully for those of you that haven't met him, you'll get to meet him hopefully early next year. I don't know. I don't want um, to say that we're going to have him, but we're going to try to have him in. But he says that failure is never final where there's a father. Failure is, is not going to have the final say-so in your life. And the Father will make sure of it. That's why spiritual fathers and mothers are also important. Because failure is not something that we will be able to avoid or the appearance of it. Now, let me clarify something. I am not talking about moral failure. Even though when that happens, that failure is also not final. If the father has anything to say about it. And the only way he doesn't is if you don't let him. And so regardless, when I take a risk, I will appear at times as if I failed. But my responsibility as the proverb says that a righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets back up. <laughs> it's about getting back up. It's about moving forward. It's about taking the risk. It's about realizing that you and I have something that the world needs. We once needed it too, didn't we? And how did we get it? Somebody came to us. We encountered God. There was a divine appointment that happened for each one of us. And for some of us, there were more than one. <laughs> I told people that I wish I knew the the preacher's name that used to come into the jail when I was like 20, 21 years old. 
And he's the first one that I, I don't even remember what he said. I just knew that I sat there and listened to him at these bars. So he was on the other side of them. And he used to hand out these little Bibles, right? Little Gideon Bibles. I'm going to tell you something, let you in on a little secret, all right? That I smoked a lot of the pages of those Bibles. <laughs> they were the best rolling papers that we had. And God's, uh, God's Word does not return void. So I just figured because God's not offended that he didn't care how I was getting it in me. That it was going in there. I didn't know any better. Just a 21-year-old punk kid that didn't know anything. God had a plan. All right? <laughs> that man in those moments that to some Christians would offend the daylights out of them. All right? Because they're all tightly wound. <laughs> but God just laughs at that kind of stuff. Right? He's like, you don't even know what's getting ready to happen to you. <laughs> and that guy was a part of divine appointment after divine appointment that woke me up to who God is, that he's a good father and that I was created to be his son and that I can go around the world and everywhere I go, I can release the power and the presence of God that will bring transformation to people through his love. And you can do the same. It woke me up to that fact right there. Not woke me up to the fact that I'm saved and that I'm going to heaven, even though I'm real, real happy about that. But the fact that you and I have purpose, that we carry the greatest power in the world inside of this, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, jars of clay, right? Jars of clay are fragile. <laughs> he says, we carry this crazy power in this earthen vessel. We get to do this in this short lifespan that we have. As it says in Psalms, your life is but a vapor. <laughs> you live for 120 years. The thing's still going to be short compared to the grand scheme of things. So what will I do with what I've been given? If you would stand with me. I want to read this, this quote from a poet that uh, if I say her name, I will butcher it. <clears throat> but it's spelled M-A-Y-A-A-N-G-E-L-O-U. Angelou, you know who she is? Yeah. Okay. She said, once said, you may encounter many defeats, but you must not be defeated. That's good. In fact, it may be necessary to encounter the, the defeats so you can know who you are and what you can rise from and how you can still come out of it. Defeat and failure are not to be the things that define us. They are to be the things that catapult us into the things that we were created to do. The children of God were not created 
to live in the place of allowing ourselves to be defeated by life circumstances and situations, and it happens to every single one of us. It's a guarantee. That and paying taxes. <laughs> so when I pray, I just want us to receive the grace that we need in this season, and for us to receive the truth that the Father has to say about us. Because the voice of failure and defeat sometimes becomes very loud and very clear to us in those times. But God wants to supersede that drown that voice out with how he defines you and how he sees you so that he can infuse you with the grace you need to be able to release everything that you were created to in this season. When I say that, you may be called to the nations or you may be called to a small group of people, right? It doesn't matter how many, it does not matter where, it just matters that I say yes. Right? In the parable of the talents, he gave three people talents, five, two, and one. And he gave to each according to their abilities. Two of them doubled their talents. They were investors. Right? But one of them took it, hit it in the ground, and gave it back to the master. You know why he did that? Because he was afraid. He gave in to fear when the other two were willing to take the risk. And because of that, there was no increase. Having no increase is not part of our lives. And all of you have experienced that in some way. So Father, we thank you for every defeat. We thank you even for every failure. As painful as some of them have been, even the embarrassment and all that stuff, I thank you that you are turning it into a catapult, a place of being catapulted into the place that you created us for to live from, which is thriving in this season of our lives. We thank you for the preparation that you have given us the responsibility to do. We pray right now that you would give us understanding that you would give us clarity in what we're moving into so that we can be properly prepared. And that regardless of the season we're in, I pray that you would help us to live selfless, to live the risk on a daily basis, to, to learn to live uncomfortable that you would take us, if it has to be baby steps, it doesn't matter. We're just moving forward with you. So we thank you right now. We receive your grace for this season. <laughs> Some of us may feel like we need more grace than others, but we all need it we, because we all need you. So we don't want to be dependent upon our own strength, our own flesh, but upon you and your grace, Papa not by our might, not by our strength, but by your power, Holy Spirit, we'll live this thing out. So help us to take those baby steps or steps and releasing what we carry everywhere that we go. 
loving people intentionally, regardless of if they need healing or if they need encouragement or they need a hug. We know that they all need hope. And you are the hope of the world, Jesus. So right now, would you just speak to us, each and every person that maybe we've let failure or defeat define us in some way. Maybe we've allowed those things to speak louder than truth. So would your truth come in this moment? Speak to your sons and daughters. like We know you want to. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Father. <laughs> Honestly, wasn't expecting that. Whew, thanks, Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for what you're saying and what we'll continue to say. We, I pray for each one that's watching, that's in this room, that we would continue to listen to what you have to say about us, who you say that we are, and that we would see you clearer than we ever have before as the good father that Jesus displayed to us. That you would help us to lean back and relax in your loving arms. As someone said, I can't remember who, but that we would move low and slow. <laughs> We would continue to stay humble at your feet, Jesus. We just relax in you. And we thank you for this. I bless what you're doing in every person in this season of their life. I pray that if they need healing, that you would come, Holy Spirit, and heal hearts and heal minds and heal wounds and bring reconciliation. and Hope would be restored like never before. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks, Jesus. We got a prayer team? Awesome. Yay, we got a prayer team that's coming up here. I challenge you this week to, to take a risk, whatever feels like risk to you. Not what risk looks like to me, not what risk looks like to Jeff or to Joe or to Katie or to anybody else, but what risk looks like to you. Work that out with Holy Spirit. Because what happens in those moments is that we cross over into a new place that we will never come back from. And we will just continue to go further and further with Him and more and more lives will be impacted by the, by the risk that we live. I bless you guys. Thanks for being with us today. We love you. We, we encourage you to come up for prayer if you need it. If not, I'd ask that you stop introduce yourself to somebody that you don't know, that you've, you've never met before, so that we can get to know one another a little bit better. 
Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.org.